Thanks for listening to this Ave Maria radio podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends and family and across social media. Building the church so we can bless the nations. This is Ave Maria radio. You're listening to Cresta in the afternoon. One obstacle uh, that I came across returning to the Catholic Church was this idea of priesthood. Part of, the, part of the reason for that is because from the very beginning of my adult walk with Christ, I, I knew that lay people made up the church. In other words, having been raised Catholic, I had a twisted understanding of the role of priests and religious they clearly were, when I was growing up, against the teaching of the church. Still, it, it was this is the way it came across socially. They were a separate, separate superior class. You know, they were, by definition, holier than everybody else. And by the time I was in my 20s, I realized, nah, that's not the case. I mean, I didn't know anything about a theology of priesthood. But I knew when I read the scriptures that all those who had been united to Christ by faith, were in fact, ex- in some way, uh, exercising his priesthood. So I would ask, uh, aren't all Christians priests? And my answer for 18 years or so was, well, yeah, all Christians are priests. But here's the folly in, in my thinking at that time. And sometimes you wonder how you could have overlooked something so obvious, and in this case, so biblical. Um are all Christians priests? Well, yes and no. I mean, there's a no to this as well. So, for instance, all those who by faith and baptism are united to Christ do share in his role as priest, just like they share in his role as prophet and as king. And St. Peter, when he's writing to an audience that included both clergy and laity, he said, like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house. Be a holy priesthood. Offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. So yes, uh, all Christians are priests. But no, not all Christians are ordained to the ministerial priesthood. Uh, this is This really should have—I don't know how this passed me by for years, because even in the Old Testament— you had the statement that uh, the children of Israel were to become a kingdom of priests. That, that is all, the whole nation, a kingdom of priests. But you also had a ministerial priesthood in the Old Testament. So why wouldn't a similar situation, what would be implausible about a similar situation prevailing under the New Covenant, where you have, again, a priesthood of believers but you also have an ordained ministerial priesthood. I missed that for 18 years, or close to that. So you take a look at the New Testament, and a lot of people say that they don't see a concept of priesthood there, and I'm saying you're not looking very carefully. Take a look at just the the night where Jesus implemented the Eucharistic banquet. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He wasn't speaking that to the whole boatload of disciples. He, He was saying that to the 12. 
he was saying that to those who were the representatives of the tribes of Israel, who in fact would be the, um, the, they would exercise apostolic powers in the early church. Do this in remembrance of me. That presupposes that there's going to be an ongoing ministerial priesthood that would perform the ritual action of the Eucharist until he comes again in glory. There, you know, there's absolutely no evidence from the scripture or sacred tradition that just any Christian could perform the ritual action we call the Eucharist. In fact, in, uh, in the generation immediately after the apostles and overlapping the apostles, Ignatius of Antioch says, nobody does the Eucharist unless the bishop is there. So, I mean, the churches were small enough where bishop had to be present for the Eucharist. But think about that. That's Ignatius of Antioch is functioning as a bishop even while some of the apostles are still alive. And that's what he's teaching, that you cannot have the Eucharist without the bishop. So clearly in the early church, it was thought that there was an ordained priesthood as well as a priesthood of all believers. Some denominations teach that under the old covenant, we needed a ministerial priesthood. I think this is what I believe for many years, that, you know, under the Old Testament covenant, we needed a ministerial priesthood because we had all those animal sacrifices and things like that. And then the thinking was, well, but Christ came, he put an end to those sacrifices, so he put an end to that kind of priesthood. Now we are all priests. The problem with that attitude and that thinking is that it fails to understand the proper balance between the covenants. There's a continuity between the covenants, and there's a discontinuity between the covenants. Ancient Israel, for instance, is similar to the church, called the Israel of God, Galatians 6, 16. And ancient Israel, just like the church, had a ministerial priesthood, and it had a universal priesthood. Long before the church was called the kingdom of priests or a holy nation, there were the people of ancient Israel who were called the kingdom of priests in a holy nation. So you see, there's continuity there. But even though all the Israelite people were priests, the nation also had a divine ordination, a ministerial priesthood. This was drawn from the universal priesthood of the people, and it was set apart for ritual uh, and service at the altar, Exodus 19. So what's new about the new covenant priesthood is that Christ himself is the unique priest according to the order of Melchizedek rather than the order of Aaron or Levi. In a certain sense, there's only one priest under the new covenant, and that's Jesus. The priesthood, anybody who participates in priesthood, whether the ordained priesthood or the universal priesthood, does so by virtue of him, because of their union with him. That His priesthood is a matter of his union with God. It's not a matter of biological ancestry. And all those who are ordained in his name operate, I'm talking here about ordination, not the universal priesthood, but ordained priesthood. They operate in persona Christi, that is, in the person of Christ. What most people don't realize is that the Catholic Church teaches that under the new covenant, there is, again, only one shepherd, one mediator, one prophet, one king, and one priest. And anybody who claims any of those other titles only holds those ministries, those callings, those gifts, because of their union with Jesus. Jesus' priesthood is given visible expression 
and effectiveness in history and space and in time through those who are ordained as his priests. And their priesthood is actually Christ's. Uh, they possess no priesthood apart from Christ. It's his priesthood. He is the priest with whom they are united, and they act out that priesthood in his person. This is really quite remarkable. Uh, there was nothing quite like that under the Old Covenant. So that is what's new about the New Covenant ministerial priesthood. So the ministerial priesthood right now, again, under the New Covenant, celebrates sacraments, it proclaims the word, uh, you know, it does prophetic action there. It shepherds, it governs, uh, it administers God's people. And uh, while all Christians share in Christ's work as prophet, priest, and king, the ordained priest shares this work with Christ in a mode and a, an office different than that of the lay faithful. But it's not completely apart from the universal priesthood. It is a different mode of Christ's priesthood. And it's done, again, for the well-being of the people of God. Now, this distinction, th this distinction between a universal call and a particular office is common uh, in biblical thought. So, for instance, you have the Greek word for sent, sent one, or envoy. It's apostolos. That is where we get the word apostle. Sent one. Apostle means simply sent one. It's not an especially religious word. It's envoy, sent one. And if you notice, Jesus is the sent one from the Father. He's consecrated and he's sent into the world. He's the fundamental apostle. He's the sent one. But all Christians are likewise consecrated through baptism and sent into the world in imitation of Christ as envoys and as ambassadors of the kingdom. So you might say that we have a universal apostleship just as we have a universal priesthood. Nevertheless, we always recognize that there's a special office of apostle, a special office of sent one, in the same way all Christians are ministers or servants, but not all hold the office of uh, diakonos, that is deacon. Um, they not, all, not everybody holds the ordained office of deacon or servant or minister. So we have to keep that in mind. There's the general universal use of words like priest, prophet, king, apostle, but then there's a specialized use of it. And people confuse this all the time. There are denominations that are built off failing to understand these distinctions. And again, misunderstanding breeds what? Division. People go off on their high horse and they think they've got superior insight to everybody who's come before them in 2,000 years of Christian history, and they go off and start their own church. I mean, I should know. I did one myself. Uh, shortly after conversion to Christ, I thought we'd just you know, have a church in your house. And so we had house churches we started. Uh, then eventually I was called to a larger congregation that I pastored. But the, my point is, it was a good experience because one of the things that happens when you're trying to invent your own church, so to speak, is you begin to realize others have gone before you on this, and they've thought through these things much more thoroughly. And that's one thing I notice about the Catholic Church. 
when I was a pastor, questions that would arise about the nature of the church, the relationship between the pastor and the people. Uh, what was church discipline? What is excommunication? What is the nature of the Lord's Supper? Uh, it just kept coming up. I would look to the Catholic Church, and I would find out, hey, they've, they've worked this thing through already. They know what they know what's going on here. And when I came across, the, again, the Catholic understanding of priesthood, I thought to myself, yeah, that, that looks like it imitates the Old Testament but goes beyond it. So that's, again, important to keep in mind. There are misunderstandings out there that keep many people away from full communion with the church. I know from my experience. But I also know that faithful Catholics help me understand the true teaching of the church. And that, again, remove the obstacles to full communion. I'm Al Cresta. This week at AveMariaRadio.net's Poll of the Week, we want to know what are some ways you measure success in your parish community? Let us know by filling out the poll at AveMariaRadio.net. Scroll down on the homepage and click Poll of the Week. 